Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Who in here has been drunk since the weekend? Tell the truth. I tell you, listen, guys. Sunday all the way into Monday, we were watching a Disney movie on Monday night with the family, and I was crying <laughs> from still just overload of the anointing. I'm just sitting there. It has nothing. I'm like, <laughs> there's healing. <laughs> there's healing there. I was just a total, and I felt like, you know, you can ask God to move and for revival, but it's like. I don't know, man. Sunday I was like, I don't know what I'm asking for. Because when the Lord shows up, it's so mighty, you can't stand. And I realize something's so true. God does not need our help. Are you with me right now? The Lord, He does not need our help. He doesn't need us to do any magic potion waving or anything to break through. When the Lord decides to break through, you're going to know He's breaking through. Amen? And I just want to say, man, I just honor um, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, even though he's not with us tonight. Just the character of that man and what he carries. I, I used to tell him, you know, I, I got the opportunity once I snagged the eye of his daughter to travel with him some. And, um, man, I look incredibly dark on that screen there, like floating hands. That's awesome. <laughs> Squirrel. Okay, anyways. <laughs> I would travel on the road with him, and I would have a notebook to take notes because I was hungry to learn how do you operate in the anointing. And I learned something that you don't really preach the anointing in the room. It's more of you allow the Holy Spirit just to, you're a conductor. And there wasn't really much you could write down in notes, but I would tell him, I can get up and I would preach for two hours to get in the room what you will have happen in six minutes. And so we just honor Dr. Rodney Howe Brown, the apostle of the house tonight. So grateful for the relationship we have, the fact that he was here with us and poured into us. Amen. Life-changing weekend. We honor the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. I sat there, seriously, church, I, 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 I sat there, laid there, squatted, whatever the term is, and I just sobbed. I was just crying, and I was not sad. I was overwhelmed to think, because hear me on this. I have been in thousands of meetings, prophetic meetings, prayer meetings, uh, conferences, camp meetings, whatever you want to call it, revival services. I've been in thousands of them. And what happened to me Sunday morning was so heavy that I thought to myself, this might be the strongest God is moving on the planet right now in this room. 
because I've been in thousands and had not, I've experienced very extreme touches from God, but I was literally beside myself. I don't even know how I got from the floor to the stage. I don't know why I heard music because when I turned around, everybody was laying down. I mean, honestly, I didn't even, in the moment, it just felt natural. Like, of course they're laying down, and of course there's music. And then Tuesday, my, my brain started, like, remembering my name. <laughs> honestly, I was like, where did the music come from? It came from heaven, man. It was like heaven just descended in the place. I don't actually remember how we got to, uh, we were praying for people. I don't even know what I said over them. I hope it made sense, you know. I mean, I was, somebody was picking on me like the part about, what did you say? <laughs> He's like, I didn't understand the part about Kobe Bryant or something. I'm like, I spoke about Kobe Bryant? It's like, you could tell me anything. Yeah, the story about the, the chicken that jumped through the hoop. I, I, what did I say about the chicken that jumped through the hoop? I was out of it. And it just so... Words literally felt so weak, you know. There was a realm in the spirit that I want you to understand, church, and that's why it's so important to grasp this, that to dedicate your life to God is never a wasted life because he's the only one that could always be fresh and always have more. One day, and I recommend you do this, as I was praying one morning, I always ask the Holy Spirit, you know, lead me as I pray because I don't even know what I need to pray. Are you with me? Anybody in here just look at the nation and you're like, what are we even going to pray right now? I mean, like, silence the dude or what? I mean, does like a plague need to, never mind. Does a plague, are we calling for the seven plagues of Egypt again or not? however many plagues? Lord, let the frogs descend on D.C. right now. What is the river there? The Potomac. May the Potomac turn to blood or whatever it's called. May gnats invest the Congress, you know. Root it out. Amen. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, you know, help me pray. Help me pray. You know, what do I need to pray for? And then you take a, a, a in your praying in tongues. If you don't have your prayer language, we'll pray with you to get it. But you pray in the spirit until... Things begin to get deeper and deeper, and then you, you let your mouth connect to the Spirit, and you start to speak things out. And I'm praying one day, and I said these words. I said, Father, I thank you for your ever-increasing love. And it wasn't like something deep, but when I said it, it hit me. And I was like, man, God is perfect, and yet every day he gets better. Because he has no end. Do you get that? He never ends. He is never exhausted. He is, he is getting better all the time, and he's already the best that has ever been. He's so incredible. That's why the angels are just like, holy, holy. Like, they, it's like, it's not that they're commanded to do it. It's that they're like, holy. <laughs> then, they, then they like, you know, do a little spin or whatever. Holy. Because that was me Sunday morning. One word. It's like, holy, holy, holy. It's just in you because he never stops. You cannot exhaust the goodness, the vastness of God. It's like an impossible conundrum to even fathom. That, was, that, sound, that sounded intelligent right there. 
But listen, open your spirit up right now. I'm telling you, open your spirit up. Because when we say God has more, it's because he is infinitely more. He's constantly pouring out. His spirit is fresh every single time. And I don't know how many times I've said to the Lord, how will you ever outdo this moment? And yet then you get in the presence of the Lord and he outdoes it. And you're like, how did you outdo it? How is it this great every single time? But it's like when he stood before Job and he's like, can you stop the wind? Can you, can you command a wave and, and restrain a wave? Can you, can you stop the sun from rising? Can you hold the moon up in the sky? Can you plaster it with, uh, with stars and make them shine brilliantly? Can you control all of these things? Can you know in the depth of the Amazon jungle where every single toad is jumping? And yet God knows that. And then when his presence comes, it should fill you with such an overwhelming, this is the king of glory. This is the alpha, the omega. Every bit of creation responds to his touch. There is nothing beyond his realm. There is nothing he cannot touch and control. And he's moving in me right now. How deep can he take you? How much can God do in you? The question is up to you. He doesn't need you, but if you open yourself, he's going to move in you. Amen. He's going to go deeper, 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 greater, greater, greater. Michael did seven flips Sunday night. I actually don't know how Michael and Lolo didn't walk away from that injured. I mean, were you here for it? It looked like a pretzel. A human pretzel. <laughs> he did get a carpet burn, so there's that. How do you know you've been to a good church? When you have carpet burns, your mascara's down your cheek. You, you came in with a jacket, you gave it to a stranger, and you have one shoe. That's how you know when to, you went to church, you know? If you didn't have that, you haven't been going to church. You've been going to committees. You've been going to congregations but when you go to church bro you walk out of there and you don't even know you walk in and it's sunny outside and you walk out and it's it's dark and you don't know where seven hours went people say we're we gonna be here seven hours I don't know maybe do you know that in the Bible it actually lays out when Paul was preaching one night that he preached so late in the evening that a kid fell asleep and fell out of a window and died now, that would stop nearly every single meeting that you've ever been in. Have anybody ever been in a meeting where someone died? Wave your hand at me. I've been, in, I've been in one where the person died on the second row. My wife was preaching. She was so annoyed that someone would die in her meeting... She ran over there and was like, oh, no, not today, sister. There's nurses around. She has no pulse. Not today, sister. Not while I'm preaching. You listen here, young lady. You will rise up right now. You will rise up right now. She's grabbing the head. The mom's crying. She's like, no, no. Suddenly the kid's like, She doesn't let up. You listen here. You stop that right now. Heartbeat, lungs flow, whatever. Work, work. 
then they had already called the ambulance. So they come in with a stretcher, pick her up, put her on the stretcher, but she's fine. And then the nurse even said, stop playing around, young lady. You're perfectly fine. Every one of your organs is working great. How dare you fake death in the middle of a service? That was like the nurse that came in. Then they will them out. And then my wife says, here, you take the rest of the service. What do you do after that? What do you do after that? Everybody, I just feel like, I just feel like the Lord wants us to sing Kumbaya. And just get out of the headspace and just get back into to, to youth group. Kind of just focus. Man, it's awesome to serve the Lord. Also felt, you know, tonight about honor to, to open up your eyes to the fact that I probably, well, I don't know, I, don't, I would not say probably. I would say certainly. I would be dead and not standing here right now if it wasn't for the fact that the Lord had given me a praying mother and a praying grandmother. Now, when I was out there living hell, snorting everything that can be snorted, smoking everything that you can smoke, cooking all this stuff and doing all of this junk, I had two people fervently praying that the hand of the Lord would be upon me and keep me well. And I promise you tonight, some things we lose in the body of Christ is just the power of honoring those that have paved a way for us to be here tonight. Someone went out of their way to preach to you. Someone went out of their way and laid hands on you. Someone discipled you when you were a total wreck and a total mess and walked you through to victory. Amen? And that is, it's like, may the Lord honor that person. If you got someone right now in mind that has poured into you, I want you to take a little while. I just want you to thank the Lord for them. Then I want you to speak over their lives just right now in the service. Come on, Father, we honor those that have poured into our lives. We would not be where we are. We would not have the victory that we walk in right now. We would not have the revelation that we have had it not been for faithful men and women that at their own expense and their own time poured into our lives. As Paul said when he was crossing, he had poured out his life like a drink offering to the Lord. These people have poured out their lives to minister to those in this room right now. Lord, we lift up these faithful people, those that are still on the earth. We pray the blessings of heaven overtake them now, Lord. We pray that the glory of God would surround them as they prayed and ministered to us. We pray and lift them up right now. Father, if their families are lost, we pray that you would send ministers to surround their families, that as they sowed into us, others would sow into them, mighty God. We declare it, Lord. We declare healing over their bodies. If someone went out of their way and taught and prayed and spoke it and are struggling themselves, then, Father, we pray right now that the anointing of heaven would come upon them. We lift them up, Jesus. We lift them up. Father, I bless my mother. I bless my mother. May the hand of the Lord be upon that lady. May the wisdom of God be in her. May revelation pop on the inside of her spirit. May she walk in realms she's never walked in before. May the glory of God surround her house. May the protection of heaven be on her. May her touch carry the anointing. May she be used as a vessel, Lord, even in her own hometown as she ministers to those around her. Use her as a powerhouse. I lift up my grandmother that is about to step into glory. I thank you for her life. I thank you when she gets there, she dances on streets of gold with the one she's loved her whole life. Father, we declare 
that we are where we are because of your faithfulness and the faithfulness of people that you've brought in our lives. So, Father, may the glory of God rest in this place and fill us with the same measure of faithfulness to pour into others the same things God has poured into us. We thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. Well, to start out, I want to start out with just a testimony that, you know, many times you go through anointed services and you don't really know the fullness of what happens. I remember years ago, I was in a, in a church service. I prayed with a lady and I didn't know anything really happened. She just, it was several people I prayed for. She fell down. She found me seven months later in another church and came up to me and said that she had lost her driver's license because she was suffering from, um, what do they call it when things start to spin? Vertigo. And so she said, when I prayed for her that night, it's like the Lord had her spin the opposite direction and he unwound her. And ever since that day, every single symptom of vertigo had been broken. She had gotten her license back, was back working again and just was just saying thank you. And I just share that to you. Maybe you've been used by the Lord to pray for people and don't even know the fullness. But I promise you, if God led you, God is faithful to move. We don't always know the fullness of what we do in this world, but I can promise you this. Obedience to Christ is changing people's lives. So the other night a woman came in the service. She had actually had a tumor in her breast. It had already been diagnosed as cancer once before, and she had gone to the doctor. She had gone through chemo. She had gone in relapse, and then it came back. And in the midst of the service, nobody prayed for her, but the glory of God in the place was so strong, the tumor disappeared. She went to the doctor, and the tumor's totally gone. That happened this weekend. Somebody give God some glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So if you've got something going on in your body right now, then I promise you check before the end of the service. Because it's already been dealt with. If you believe it, shout amen. 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 All right, Exodus 3, 16 through 18. I want to just start here and see what the Lord does for us. Um, Sunday morning, my friend, Pastor Sam Dalen from Juneau, Alaska, read from Exodus about the burning bush experience. And it was such a holy moment that uh, I believe most people felt it. You know, in the place. If you didn't fill it, your fillers are broken. And we will pray that the Lord will give you new fillers so that you can fill him. Amen. But Exodus 3, 16 through 18 says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Thank God for milk from a cow. <laughs> Dairy farmers always got to put in a plug, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever tried to milk an almond? You ever tried to milk quinoa before? Just wondering. Anybody ever milked rice? Okay, so anybody ever milked a cow? Oh, look at the cow milkers up in here. I am in shock right now. They were all proud, too. They were like. 
Okay, that has nothing to do with today's message, but everything to do with the goodness of God. It says, then you will heed their voice, or, or then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, and you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. This is when Moses is visited by the Lord in the mountains in the burning bush experience. The Lord speaks to him and says, I've heard the cries of Egypt. And so I, if we could say anything going on in the nations of the world right now, we understand that there's a very demonic play and operation. It does not take any spiritual know-it-all to see that the strategy from hell right now is to shut down the church at all costs. To pervert the young lives in this nation and the nations of the world. Confuse them. Take away their identity. Take away purity in their lives. Remove their parents' authority and their parents' word. And indoctrinate them with doctrines of demons. But we as believers say not in our household. Amen. Amen. Come on somebody. Amen. And so... Oftentimes you can look at it, I mean, here they are suffering. What started out as a good thing in Egypt turned very bad very quickly. But in this encounter, the Lord speaks to him and says, this is what I've done. And Moses, I was reading this and I had never noticed this before. But in Exodus 4.1, right the next chapter, Moses answers after the Lord said this to him. And he says, but suppose that they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, I had never realized this before, but Moses was not talking about Pharaoh. He wasn't talking about the leaders of Egypt. Moses' concern was never the Pharaoh. Moses' concern was would the people of Israel even believe me? And it, it just struck me because God didn't even argue with Moses. Here's this supernatural encounter where the Spirit of God just makes a bush burn but not be consumed. And he's sending him into a place to bring people out of captivity. And Moses knew they're not going to believe me. They're going to stand against me. And God doesn't argue with Moses. God actually tells Moses, what's in your hand? A staff. Throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. He says, he ran back. How many people don't like snakes? Can I get an amen? Okay. Amen. Thank you. People are like, I love them. Okay, you sit over there. Love is a strong word for that little slimy thing right there. Let me tell you. I had to face my fear, and I did. Amen. I can look at him now and not scream. To I'm totally cool, totally, totally chill. But it took a little while. But then the Lord says, pick up its tail. He picks up its tail, it becomes a rod. Then he says, take your hand and put it in your bosom. Puts it in his shirt, pulls it out, and it's leprous. He says, put it back in there. And he puts, puts it back in there and pulls it out, and it's supernaturally healed. And the Lord says, you're going to go to Israel and you're going to show these signs and wonders and they will believe it. And it just slammed me that it is, it is easier or is it harder for us to unite believers than it is to stand against the enemy? Think about that for a second. Because the enemy is a defeated foe. The devil doesn't have authority over the church. So what does he do? He confuses us and gets us fighting one another so that we spend our whole time, energy, and effort warring against one another so that his agenda can go unchecked. And, and the supernatural 
of God is the one thing that united Israel to believe. If there is ever a time for the church to press in for miracle signs and wonders, it's right here, right now. I'm telling you, if there's ever a time that if a pandemic's supposed to break out, that's when the church is supposed to get on her face and get in the realms of glory so much that we don't just eradicate COVID, we eradicate the flu, pneumonia, ingrown toenails, every single agenda of hell. It's time that we stop playing games. Somebody get this right now. It's not like it's the supplemental thing that you get after serving God for 20 years that you can experience the supernatural realm. You're supposed to press in for it as a sign and a wonder, not just to the world, but to the church to unite them behind a God that backs up his word. It's time for miracle signs and wonders. I'm going to speak over this church. This year, get ready because we're going to tap into things from heaven that this generation has not yet seen. And we will not settle for the status quo. And we will not let no religious demon come and back us down. Our God is a mighty God. He's a God of signs and wonders. He's the same God that split the Red Sea. He's the same God that raises the dead. That's the God that's in Claremont, Florida. He's the God that's in this room. My God, I feel fire in this place. Father, we break off every religious stronghold, every demon of hell that tells us God won't and can't. We say he's more than enough. 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 Come on, grab it, grab it, grab it, because when I say these things, I'm talking about you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use your hands. He wants to use your feet. He wants to use your mouth to declare these things. Jesus. 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 Things are breaking. 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 Stop worrying about yourself. Lift up your eyes and look out at this city right now and realize that there are people hurting. And if you would be willing to go before them and represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords, everything that has ever held you back in life will be broken off of your life. And you're going to go to realms you've never gone to before. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. When we contend... For the faith, for the miraculous. We're actually contending for the true unity in the body of Christ. You know, people are always saying, may the church be unified. The problem is, is you can't unify with sin. You can't unify with religion. The only thing that brings unity is the Spirit of God. And that's what people don't realize. That here in Claremont, Florida, we don't even know. We, we speak English, hopefully not we we get by but every, everywhere in the world right now there are people that don't know us don't even speak english that will be saying the exact same thing we're saying because they're getting it from the exact same source come on they're getting it from the king of glory and god is not schizophrenic he doesn't have 18 things going on he's got one agenda it's heaven now on earth being released it's stopping the enemy in his tracks let me tell you something. For those of you that have been through hell, you've been chewed up and spat out the tailpipe of life. 
You've been dealing with things from the time you were a kid. Raised in an abusive household. You've known 18 different step-parents. You've been through seven divorces. Your life is a total just travesty of where the enemy has had his way. Now is the time to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? Everything you've put me through has not broken me yet. Because the God that is more than enough is still on fire in my heart. And because you mess with me, because you picked on me, I'm going to pick on you like you've never been picked on. The bully is switching positions now because I've grown up. I'm a big boy now. And I'm going to wreak havoc on the things of darkness. I'm going to wreak havoc on hell. Come on, somebody. People in your family have taken their lives. Everybody talking about, I hope it doesn't jump on us. Break that curse from hell. It ain't coming on you. It ain't coming on your kids. It ain't touching anybody anymore because now you're here and you're drawing a line in the sand and saying, devil, you've had your way up till now. But now we're taking territory from you. It's our time to shine. We're not victims and we're not beat up. We're made new every day. His anointing is real. Come on. It's real. It's not hype. We're anointed if we shout. We're anointed if we whisper. We're anointed when we're awake. We're anointed when we're asleep. Come on. We're anointed. Our house is protected when we're there, and it's protected when we ain't there. Come on. You can't lay a finger on me. You lay a finger, you're pulling back a nub, because that's the God I serve. If you believe it, shout amen. I feel it in this place. I feel it in this place. It's like the church has spent the last decade being beaten up by the devil. And always trying to figure out a way to outsmart him. But I tell you, it's turning in 2021. Because the devil overplayed his hand in 2020. And he did his best to shut down the church. And because of that, God says, nah, not today. The true bride is about to explode with the glory of heaven. I'm about to rain down signs like this generation has never seen before. I feel fire in this place. Somebody grab it. Jesus. God, I could run around this place like Pastor Kirsten. Pew! So glad my wife finally ran around the place. I was feeling a little lonely. Now people are clocking us and they said she outran me, so the day will come. I'm going to be training every, every day throughout the week to get a little bit faster. Can't let her, can't let her outlap me now. Can I tell you something from the bottom of my heart? God has just scratched the surface in your personal life of what you're supposed to walk in. And let me tell you, you don't get it just by coming to services like this. This helps. We press in. God does supernatural things. But I'm calling you to a place of personal devotion where you're going to go home. You're going to take your shoes off because it's holy ground. You're going to open this word. You're going to shut off your phone. You're going to shut off your television. And you're going to dive into the realms of glory where heaven has been longing to take you. 
And there's going to be revelation that explodes on the inside of you. And when it explodes on the inside of you, there's not a force on this earth that can take that revelation away from you. It is life on the inside of you. And when you speak it, the same power that was released when you grabbed it will be released from you. And it's time for this generation to start walking in that in a greater measure. Come on, we don't need any more fake prophetic words. We don't need any more parking lot prophecies with no power. We need people in the prayer rooms of glory tapping into something out of this world and releasing that into this generation. We need people being impacted with the power of God. And it's available to every single person. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to fast your entire life. You just have to make it a priority. I am pursuing God. This is real. This is real. And I'm not satisfied if I go a week without heaven speaking to me anymore. In fact, I want him to speak to me every day. Come on, stir it up. I promise you, buy, go out. If your phone doesn't have a Bible, go out and buy yourself a little Bible. Keep it with you. And when you're stuck at a red light, you pull out that Bible and you say, Holy Spirit, give me revelation right now. I feel it in my bones. This is real. It's time for us to stop thinking that shouting and hype is enough. We got to have something deep on the inside of us. When I was in Bible college, I remember an older gentleman, and there's, I am not saying this to disrespect or dishonor anybody, but he was invited to preach, and I felt nothing. And I was a Bible school student. I didn't dare say anything because I'm not going to dishonor a person. But I said, I mean, I feel nothing when they talk about God. It's empty. And I remember another time they let the little, little, little youth kid up, 14 years old. And as they began to speak, it's like the atmosphere of the room shifted. I began to cry. And I finally got up the nerve. And I went, when I, when I, was, when I was finally dating the pastor's daughter, I got up the nerve and I went to him. And I said, what is that? I'm not trying to dishonor. But when that person got up, I felt nothing. When that little kid got up, I was, I was blown away. And he said, let me tell you something. I don't tell everybody what happens at the church. I got the older guy in because I'm trying to help him. And I was actually counseling him over something in his life and just gave him an opportunity so the church could bless him. But that young kid got something from heaven. And he said, you can never bring anything public until you first get it in private. Come on, somebody. God wants to put something deep on the inside of every single one of you. So if the opportunity ever arose for you to share at work or ever arose for you to take a microphone and testify, you're not, you're not just speaking fluff, but something real is released as you begin to talk about the things of God and talk about who he is to you. Come on, when someone says, who is Jesus to you? And when you speak, it's not like the atmosphere is changing. Then you don't know him well enough. And you need to get into the place of glory where his atmosphere just comes upon you. His presence, his glory gets in you. Come on, church. Man, the power of God's falling on people right now. Jesus. Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth, but shall you not know it? Years ago, I was in prepping to preach in Washington, D.C. Actually, fact, Pastor Eric Mears was in the service this weekend with us from Washington, D.C. And I was going to minister at his church one night. I was just privately studying. 
And the Lord led me to Isaiah 43, 19. This is right before. This is actually the word God gave me when I read it. I knew the Lord was saying, get ready because I'm going to be transitioning you from full time on the road to becoming a pastor. It sprung in me. I mean, it leapt in me when I read it. But the thing that always stood out when I read that is shall you know it. You see, Sunday morning was heaven in this place. Who was here Sunday morning and experienced that? So you know what I'm talking about. Okay. If you weren't here Sunday morning, my God. You ask for revival and he comes in you're like, uh, maybe can we have three quarters revival? One third. I don't know if I can function. I really did it. And really, if God released himself entirely upon us, you can't function. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like you're just going to be like, I got this. Bro, you're going to be flat out, rolling around, sobbering, blubbering little baby, just, ooh, he's so good, he's so good. Holy, holy, holy. Your flesh can't handle it. You get a glorified body when you get to heaven, and even probably with a glorified body, you're going to spend a thousand years on your face. They were like, heaven's going to, get, heaven's going to be boring. All we do is worship. You're not going to be bored in heaven. You will not be bored in heaven. You're going to be like, it's the greatest. It's like holding on to a tornado. But even in the midst of that, this is the radical thing. There are people that don't feel it. That for some reason, whether it's religion or pride or arrogance or sin, iniquity, something in them they have allowed to cut themselves off from even sensing the presence of the Lord. So they'll look at a person totally overcome with the glory of God when the anointing is so strong and they will feel nothing. And they will walk out of the place and think, these people are weird. Just get used to it. People are going to think a lot of things about you the deeper you go with God. In fact, it's actually a biblical sign that the more persecution you encounter, the closer you're getting to Christ. So if you're never being picked on, maybe you're not really that close to God. Maybe you're a chameleon that is pleasing to the world and not very pleasing to God. But I would rather be pleasing to God and less pleasing to the world. You can pick on me, call me what you want, as long as he calls me his own. Are you with me? But this is what the prophet's saying here. He's saying, man, God wants to do a new thing. Every generation, sometimes people miss it because they're always looking to the past. What did God do in the 90s? What did God do in the 80s? What did God do in Azusa? What did God do in the Wells revival? What did God do in, in the Hebrides revival? All of these great revivals. And if you don't know these revivals, go out and study. Amen. God has been moving ever since the Holy Spirit slammed the earth over 2,000 years ago. There has never been a dry spell yet. Come on. Are you with me? God has raised the dead every single day from the day the Holy Spirit slammed the earth 2,000 years. Every day the dead are rising. Every day blind eyes are opening. Every day deaf ears are hearing. Come on, somebody. Every day the glory of God is poured out somewhere. And sometimes you get to be right smack dab in the middle of it like what's happening in Claremont right now. Let me tell you something. We're just getting started. 
We're just getting started. God wants to do something special right here in Central Florida. And I say, yes, God, whatever you want to do, I'm fully on board for it. If you're with me, shout amen. We're fully on board. We'll pray, we'll seek the Lord, and we'll just yield to God. And we're going to see the supernatural poured out. But to think, people can walk into the realms of God and not feel a thing. When I traveled on the road. I remember one time, it was like my second or third week in the ministry. And when you're three weeks in the ministry, you have to act like you know what you're doing and avoid the question, how long have you been doing this? Because my second week in the meetings, the pastor from the front row, from the pulpit says, we're so blessed to have Caleb bring, how long have you been traveling in the ministry? And I was like, two weeks. And his face turned white. And he was like, oh, great. And gave me the microphone. Too late now, I've already announced this, young buck. <laughs> so you got to act like you have a ministry before you have a ministry. Amen? Why? Because it's already in you. You're not faking nothing. It's in you. You just got to prove it now. So if you can just give me a chance, I'll prove it. <laughs> what was I saying about the third week in the ministry? No, no. Beyond that. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Shall you know it? Third week in the ministry. Don't know what I'm doing. But asking the Lord to help me, just like I'm asking right now. Well, anyways, maybe the Lord will give it to me. It's like when, when I started, though, I didn't really know, I didn't even really know how to, to end the meeting, believe it or not. So I would preach long just because I didn't know how to end the meeting. Seriously, I was terrified of it because I'm like, how do you close a meeting? And people don't think about these things till you're the, the Yahoo with the microphone. When a person that's experienced is around, it feels natural. I was like, how do you close a service? So one night I actually preached three sermons back to back. I just, I just kept going because I, I was so terrible. I didn't know how to end it. And you finally at like 11 p.m., people are like, Three hours of the word, you know, because we had like 20 minutes of praise and worship. I'm still preaching. And what that actually means in the Greek is. <laughs> Pressing into the things of the Lord. But I remember as we started in the ministry, you know, basically, I didn't know fully how to preach. I didn't really know. How to, to, to just let God take over. So I'll try and just do everything in the natural. And along the way, you begin to realize that it's never been about you anyways. Like your great studies, you've got to do. Because it's part of revelation that springs in you. But there's truth in the reality in the realms of God that things are caught and not taught. That there's, there's things, not a substitute you can't have a billion hands laid on you and not just get in the presence of the Lord yourself to get something that leaps on the inside of you. You really got to grab this because this generation 
It's like we've always looked to the past of what God can do and we're missing out that God wants to do something incredible, unprecedented right here, right now. And not a better time than in this exact moment when we're facing the things we're facing as a nation right now. Come on, I will tell you the first. There's uncertainty in the natural going on right now. We are literally facing a well-devised plan from hell. And so the only solution is not legislation. It's not another election. It has to be an earth-shattering, wind-blowing move of heaven that rushes through the land and brings hearts back to God, that pierces minds and shatters religious and shatters political realms and brings the authority of heaven to uproot, pull down, throw down, and destroy so that something supernatural can be rebuilt. Come on. William Booth was a mighty man of God. He was the, the founder of Salvation Army. And when he, when he founded it, it was actually from a dream that he was pressing into the Lord. He was praying and seeking God. And one night the Lord gave him a dream of all of humanity in a dark ocean drowning before his eyes. And he was throwing life preservers and lifesavers at him, but they couldn't grab a hold of him. And his tears were welling from his eyes. And he was welling and welling, crying out, grab it, grab it, grab it. And he woke up. And he knew what God was showing him, that his generation was going to hell. And he was so strong on his heart that he ran out from that, that night and went to the pubs in England. And the first time he ever preached in the pubs, imagine going to the bars in Claremont in the middle of the night. Me and Charlie Shamp, we used to do this in 8th Avenue in Nashville. We didn't even know how to preach. We would stand. We actually carried a milk crate with us, and we would stand on the corner of 8th Avenue in, in Nashville, and we would stand up, and we would take turns preaching. We were probably the worst preaching anybody ever heard, you know, grabbing people, pointing at them, and trying our best. And some people would just start crying. Other people would swing at us, but ultimately we had a good time. <laughs> William Booth was preaching. England was straight up known as the armpit of society. English people were known as the crudest, drunken people. And William Booth started preaching, and he wrote in his diary the first time he preached, someone turned and urinated on him. And he wrote down in his diary, now I've found what I'm called to do. So his, his confirmation wasn't a great celebration of the crowd. It was that someone was so angry they peed on him, and he knew, I've found what I'm supposed to do. Come on, somebody. Let's stop playing patty cake with the world. Let's stop trying to be loved by false things because the world is fake anyways. Stop trying to look for acceptance from a, a, from a, a society ruled by demonic spirits and start looking to the kingdom of God and realizing this is the only thing I want to align my household with. If I want to walk in something that is life-changing, that will change this nation, I have to align with God. I can't let that moment pass me by. You've got to grab a hold of it. You've got to grab a hold of it. It says, I'll do a new thing, but shall you know it? I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A beast of the field will honor me, the jackals, the ostriches. I'll give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. These people I have formed for myself, and they shall declare my praise. Can God move and you miss it? Can you miss your opportunity or your part? Think about that. It's like I, I used to always tease people in Bible college that every time we weren't, like if you missed a meeting at the church, 
and it was a powerful meeting, we would always be like, yeah, you missed it. You know, but every time you're not there, it's always a little more powerful. Maybe it's you that holds it back. So that's how we would treat each other in Bible school. And then you'd, you'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast for 18 days. I'm going to be in the meeting. It's going to be stronger than ever. You never want to be the blockage. Come on. Have y'all ever noticed that sometimes it's like there's such a freedom in the church and other times you feel a blockage? It's because the wrong person came in. And it's like you've got to worship a little bit longer till that Yahoo leaves the premises. I'm telling you. There's truth, and the people think a great crowd is what moves God. Great faith is what moves God. Jesus didn't go and get a crowd of 15,000 to turn the world upside down. He got 12. Are you with me right now? When Paul said a great and effectual door is opened unto me in Ephesus, he was speaking about 12 people in the city that had not even yet heard there is a Holy Spirit. That's what he considered a great door. This generation is always looking for the crowd to be on their side. And God is saying, you don't need the crowd. You need me. Get away from the crowd. What would Jesus do? He would withdraw from the crowd so that he could get back in the secret place where the glory of God could rest upon him. And then he would come out. And when he came out that time, there was something released into that crowd that changed them. And then when they began to get too weird, he dropped bombs like, eat my flesh, drink my blood, brother. Then they would all drift away because Jesus got weird again. Say, I've always been a little bit weird. Good. That's good company to be in. There's truth in that. Realize this generation is always thinking it's event minded. It's got to be some big thing. The big thing is you. The Bible says he wants to release the kingdom of God in you. He said to Jeremiah, I'll put my words in your mouth and your words will root out, pull down, throw down and destroy like we said Sunday. God's just looking for one vessel, one vessel that's yielded, one vessel that's pure, one vessel that's tapped into something supernatural. And you don't get that until you make it real in your life. God can smell a phony a mile away. But a pure person, it's like Cornelius. And it's like his alms and his giving went before the Lord like a sweet-smelling aroma, the Bible says. It's like wafting of a chocolate chip cookie fresh out of the oven. It brings all the men. What is that heavenly smell? And God says that's people of genuine hearts pressing in, seeking after his face, willing to give, willing to pour out. That goes up before the Lord as a sweet-smelling aroma. You say, why are some people choose, chosen and in generations and elevated by God to higher platforms? It's because they laid a hold of God and they didn't stop because they weren't concerned with the applause of men. And there wasn't a level that dictated to them they finally reached the right level. Because as long as you keep your eyes on God, it's not about a level. It's about the glory. It's about who he is. Is he in me? Is he flowing in me? Every day it's got to be fresh. Every day it's got to be real. I don't want to fake it. And I think we stand on the cuff right now of something so glorious and something so pure that it's going to be where up till now it's like the church has strived 
for the supernatural. And I'll, and I'll say it, because I have. It's like I remember preaching in Alaska in a friend, at, a, at a Filipino church. I preached four meetings in one day in Juneau, Alaska. And the, the, one of the churches was a Filipino church in Juneau, Alaska. Why people go for the Philippines to Juneau, Alaska, I will never know. Like, dude, leave well enough alone. But I preached in it, and the pastor, we had a glorious meeting. The pastor came to me, and he said, you know what? When I came here in 1995, in the Philippines, our church was 3,000 members. He said, every Sunday, broken bones would be healed. Every time, he said, every time we began to worship, you could hear bones popping in the crowd. You could hear people cry, crying out as miracles would just explode everywhere around us. And he said, I came to America, and the first Sunday here, we had to fast days in, weeks in, just to get God to heal someone of a headache. I'm telling you something. Do you think that that is made up? No. It's because America, it's like there's been this holding back in this country because we've been so spoiled with everything that the world has. But I'm telling you that we, God is raising up a remnant in America right here, right now. And part of this shaking going on. Church, we should not worry. Let the dollar collapse tomorrow. Let wheat go to a million dollars a pound. God will sustain you and your household. Your source is not the U.S. government. It is not anything of this world. You are not of this world. If God can give Elijah a meal that runs him for 40 days strong, God can give you a meal that runs you 40 days strong. Come on, grab this. He's a supernatural God. And yet we get nervous when there's shaking in the natural. Let it shake, the Bible says. Those kingdoms have to shake. Because in the midst of the shaking, desperation begins to happen in the hearts of people. And they begin to realize every other choice is being eliminated from my life. There is one way, the highway, and his name is Jesus. Come on. And I feel like God's wanting to raise people up in advance. Like an army of the Lord that is being trained and being poured into for such a time as this. Where something supernatural is held, held in the hearts of every person under the sound of my voice. Where when we gather, it's not one person pressing through. But it's a room of people that carry something so strong. That when we get together, the glory is so heavenly in the place that you can break the shackles off people. People can walk right in the glory of God and not feel it. That's what's happened in America. People have been so hardened by the enemy, they don't even recognize the glory anymore. And so they look at people that carry it, and they mock you. In fact, the Bible says spiritual things cannot be understood by natural-minded people. It's foolishness to them is what the Bible says. They'll look at spiritual people and call them fools until hell breaks loose, and then they'll come running to a spiritual person because you have something that is greater than this world. I'm talking to someone here right now. Are you hungry to press in for it? And I feel like the word is, man, I, I've always believed. It's like you've got to stir yourself and stir yourself. After Sunday, I realize God doesn't need my help. He just needs me to yield. He's greater than anything you could imagine. He's bigger than anything this world has. He's absolutely heavenly. 
if with his pinky, he can turn America around. He doesn't even have to get out of bed. Not that he even has a bed. But he doesn't even have to raise his voice. He doesn't have to sweat. He doesn't have to strive. That God is just looking for a person that is yielded. That will carry, be you. But yielded to God. And when he says, say this, you say it. And when he says, come with me, you come with him. And you learn to follow the voice of the Lord. What did Jesus say? I don't do anything. What was he saying? I don't do anything except my Father in heaven show me to do it. So Jesus walked in this. And the Bible says because he was so obedient, the word says that God gave him the spirit without measure. Jesus, I feel it. I feel it right now. God wants to take you deeper than you've ever gone before. But to get there, stop battling God. Stop battling the Lord. You got to let go. You got to perceive things by the Spirit. You got to say, I'm hungry and thirsty, and I'm going to lay hold of something right here, right now. I'm desperate for God because America needs a move of heaven. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. It's like the Lord showed me this years ago. The Bible says that Jesus actually crossed the water came out and a great crowd came around him because a young girl was dying and he said I'll go with you to the house and he begins to go and the Bible says that there's a great multitude around Jesus at this time many people were pressing in around him and bumping into him and then one person in the midst of this great crowd of people laid hold of him with intent and when they laid a hold of him with intent God flowed from Jesus into this person because there was some intent behind the touch. Some people come into church just to spectate. Some people come into church to be entertained. Some people come into church because they didn't open their Bible and they don't know the things of God, so they're looking for someone else to give it to them. But that's not going to cut it anymore. God is not looking for a bunch of people that get chewed up food like baby birds. God is looking for some believers that come in to add to what God is about to do. That come in stock full of power so that you walk in the place and before you even get in the church, God already led you to someone in the parking lot to release a word of authority to break devils off of their lives. Are you hearing me right now? This woman pressed through the crowd with intent. And the Bible says she said out loud, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. <laughs> what I love about this is that this woman said it out loud and had never been giving anything in Jesus' ministry to point to to say that this is possible. Are you with me? Jesus says, I'll do a new thing, says God. But shall you know it? you got to get such hunger on the inside of you that you're pressing into the realms of the unknown and you're not letting up until you lay a hold of something from heaven. Where's the Jacobs that will wrestle heaven down? There was nothing to point to. See, this generation, we're pointing to 2,000 years of church tradition trying to find what God's going to do now. Blow the tradition up. Blow the tradition out of the water. I was talking to someone the other day about a ministry in Haiti, right in Port-au-Prince in Haiti, one of the cities known for voodoo and wicked evil things, that the ministry does not operate on Sunday mornings. But like in the middle of the week, at like Tuesday, their service starts at 8 a.m., and it goes until 8 p.m. 
And it's a stadium, 50,000 people. And for 12 hours, people are being healed. Miracles are happening everywhere around there because they're not following anything that we have been taught to follow. Are you with me right now? To get what you've never got, you got to do what you've never done. Stop playing the religious game. Stop thinking Sunday morning's going to change this nation. Sunday morning's when we gather to celebrate. Monday's when we press through. Tuesday's when we get a touch. Wednesday's when we carry something. Thursday's when we release it. Friday's when we get more. Saturday's when we get refilled. Sunday we come to celebrate the fact that God moved across Claremont all week long. took one woman to say if I could just lay hold of his garment she had to throw her reputation away because if she had been caught in the crowd according to law she could have been stoned to death so not just her reputation but her life was on the line well could God ask something from that from you you say I love you Jesus I love you Jesus but don't cost me anything give me but don't take don't ask for the things that I don't want to give. But I'm telling you, there's something precious released in the people that will release everything to God and hold nothing back and say, God, here I am. My reputation, my household, what people think about me, I lay it all on the line. I'm not trying to get an applause. I'm not even trying to build a ministry. Come on. I'm not trying to build a mailing list. I'm not trying to get invitations. I'm not, I'm not worried about what other people are saying. I'm pressing through the veil into something that is glorious, something that I've never laid a hold of before, something I'm asking for that I don't even know what it looks like, what it tastes like, but if it's coming from you, I know that it's good. Jesus. Come on, press in right now. You know what's so powerful about this story is because one woman decided to do that. Two chapters later in the Bible, it says that Jesus jumped in the boat and went back to the other side that he was on before he came to met this woman. And by the time he already got to the other side of the lake, the word says a great crowd was meeting, waiting there. And as many laid hold of him were made whole. Because one woman reached into heaven and grabbed something that had not yet been released. And she laid a hold of it and got it herself. A whole village was shaken by what she got. Boy, let the fire of the Holy Ghost fall in this place right now. You say, what is little old me going to do? Little old you is going to change the course of your family line. Little old you is going to change the course of Claremont, Florida. Little old you is going to tap into something supernatural. I feel fire in this place right now. Jesus, lift your hands right now. Father, we thank you for the release of mantles in this place right now. Come on, mantles in this place right now. Mantles from heaven. Heavenly mantles, things we cannot purchase, things we can't yet fathom, things that are straight sent from God. We lay a hold of them right now. We receive it by faith. We thank you for it being released in this room right now. Every hungry vessel, every thirsty heart. I'm telling you, see, people miss it. Jesus, they miss it. They get distracted and they miss it. 
That's what he meant, shall you know it? Will you perceive it when heaven moves by you? Or will you let heaven pass by and you not lay a hold of these things? Think about the people in the upper room that stepped out. Think about the 15,000 that followed Jesus that was trimmed to 120. Think about all the people at the cross that backed away because Jesus looked like he was being taken out and being defeated. Think about how many times God led you somewhere and you backed off. I'm telling you, you won't back off again. You're not going to back off again. Think about the Israelites that in the Old Testament God brought them to the mountain to show them the fire. But the people were too scared, so they said, Moses, send Moses, not us. We're too scared. And God was upset because he had it for the entire nation. And because they backed down, only one man knew it. But that is not you. You're not of those who back down. We're of the, we're of the remnant that presses through. Mambra, danda, lebre, hebe, bebe, bete, seta. Another level, another level, another level, another level, another level, another level, another level for you, another level for you. Mambra, debre, He's been giving you dreams. You've always had dreams. But God says, now I'm releasing upon you the mantle that when the dream comes, the word of your mouth declared over what I revealed to you has the power to change the course of things. Just receive it, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the fire of heaven's in this place right now. The fire of heaven's in this place right now. Yay! Rande, barande, bralande, bralande, lelele. Oh, mamba, what's he saying? It's heavenly, that's what he's saying. Bembembre, kilida, rodosa, mamamba, ta. The half has never yet been told. The half has never yet been told. The half has never yet been told. Jesus, Jesus, this year you're going to break things that have been on you guys for years that it's just like a plateau you keep hitting. You've even been speaking about it to each other. The Lord says, get ready, I'm shattering that ceiling. I'm shattering that ceiling, the things you used to strive for. God says, I'm going to pour it out behind, upon you guys. Jesus, Jesus. No limits, no boundaries. No limits, no boundaries. No limits, no boundaries. Greater still. Greater still, God. Well, you've been standing out all night. Father, I thank you for the anointing of heaven from his head to his toes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's got gifts. He's got gifts for this generation. He's got gifts for this generation. Heavenly gifts. Things that have never been released upon the nations of the world. God is releasing them right now. He is releasing them right now. Yes, Carabaroto. When I was in Bible college, Pastor Rodney was sharing that when the Lord gave him the anointing of joy, it's like joy began to break out in upstate New York. People began to make fun of him. They wrote articles about him. They slandered him. He didn't like it. So he asked the Lord, please, hold back. Don't do that anymore. And he went into the next meeting. And it was the deadest meeting of his life. 
And he said to the Lord, what's happening? And God said, you told me not to move. And in the midst of preaching, he began to plead with the Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. I will never worry about what man thinks about me again. But you pour out again and the Spirit of God began to pour out in that room just like it had been pouring out from the day that it broke up in upstate New York. And as a young Bible school student from Tennessee on a dairy farm with no hope of any great legacy of ministry in my life, no understanding of it, I heard that and realized there is an open door there. Because God is looking to release things in every generation. And some of the people he releases to them are ashamed to carry what God wants to give them. So if you're here right now and you say, God, I am not ashamed to carry what you want to give me, then lay a hold of heaven right now and grab that thing down. Because the nations of the world are in desperate need of the signs and wonders that he means to release upon this nation. Do not mistake me. The same miracles that popped in the Philippines, the same miracles that popped every in, the, in Africa are about to pop in America. I'm talking that will be shaken all the way to the White House. Miracle signs and wonders. Jesus. Jesus let it fall. Hey. Mambababasata. Hey. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father, I speak it right now. Oh, my mama sata. Father, I thank you for the supernatural mantle upon his life. Lord, you have called him from the time he was a young man. I speak right now the full release of the blessing of God upon his household. The revelation of all you've laid out for him to walk in comes upon him now. And Jesus, I thank you for the supernatural power of God upon him. His words, his words will not fall to the ground. But when he opens his mouth, it'll penetrate the hearts of those around him. Father, it'll shatter off bondage. It'll break off chains. It'll break them through. Father, I thank you for it. A wisdom he will speak of beyond himself yes God yes God yes God yes God Jesus 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 you're gonna run further than you ever thought you're gonna run God says I've already been bringing restoration and you're gonna run with restoration restorer of the breach God says he's putting his words in your mouth that you're going to be one that links people that have been burned back to the glorious things of God and when they come back God says I'm going to pour it out upon them seven times stronger somebody lay hold of this thing today Jesus, you, 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 Mamba, Dande, Rete, God says I'm putting something in you. You've seen yourself as a sidekick. You've seen yourself as a side person. But God says, no, I'm putting something in you that is firsthand, something in you that is yours. Yes. Ramamamatata. That's it. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. 
Grab it, grab it, grab it. Jesus, bless this young lady. Oh, mama, mama, sata. The fire of the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I speak it out. Man, you've already walked in realms of ministry and authority, but along the way things happened that made you feel burned. God says, I'm putting that back in you. That was not a mistake. The gift and callings of God are without repentance, and you're stepping back into that place, says the Lord God Almighty. And with it, I'm releasing a double portion of what you once walked in. It's coming on you, Jesus. Woo! Ma, ra, le, suroba kataramande. Jesus. 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 Ra ma na le be 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 ke ra ma ne ne si bro ko ba ma 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 de le bre ke si bo ro bo re de be 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 le 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 kata sata oh oh eh sabra kare be be te te re ba ma 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 sata. Come on. Don't let the distractions of this world hold you back any longer. Don't let your friends, don't let your friends that aren't spiritual friends keep you lukewarm any longer. Cast off those lukewarm clothes and get on fire for God. Man, I tell you, going into this year, I felt the Lord say, tell my people, hold nothing back this year. Hold nothing back. Give it all you got. Because you are going to be met by God that will meet you every step of the way. If you'd be willing to go where no man has gone before, you're going to meet a God that has been waiting for you to get there. Jesus, hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. Hey! Hey!
disciples walk with Jesus. But they kept wanting him to do something that they thought he should do, which is overthrow the Roman government right there in that place. Because they didn't understand spiritual things. The enemy will set up things in this natural world. But even though he sets them up, that doesn't change the kingdom of God and how it operates. But you operate in this world even though you're not of this world. But the things heaven places upon you so that you see things through spiritual truth and through spiritual realities is how you begin to change generations. You can change the hearts of men. You can change a nation. God did it with Elijah when Elijah called down fire. He turned the hearts of the people back to God. Well, God can do it in this generation too. One thing's for sure. We're looking at the end of times. But God did not say he's going to return at a time when the church is broken down and beaten. He's going to return to a church that's on fire. A church that's victorious. A church that's shining bright as a morning star. A church that carries something heavenly. A church that's pure. A church that has a good heart. A church that walks upright. A church that, that carries the glory of God in this generation. That's who he's coming back for. And you're of that church. Come on. You're of that church. You've been marked. Let me tell you something. Those of you in this room, you've been marked from the time you were born. From the time you were in your mother's womb. You thought you were the one choosing everything to get here, but God chose you way before you ever chose him. You've been marked. Some of you have tried to run from it even. You tried to run and you found out very quickly, man, it is exhausting to try to outrun God. You keep winding back in the same places. How did I get here again? And God's sitting in the heavens laughing. That's what he's doing. Ha ha. He he. Ho ho. outrun God you can't outrun the call you can't outrun your part to play you're not going to miss it because he's going to keep you going around and around in circles until one day you realize you've been here before and you turn around and go to the God that's always been there amen come on stop going in circles some of you have been in circles already since 2020 Started 2020 on fire, halfway through you got scared, now you're right back on victory again. <laughs> Depending on when we call you throughout the week, depends on if you're on fire or you need a little bit of fresh infilling. But you're not going to be running circles anymore. You're going to be carrying something. I can't get it off of my chest tonight. Just the weight of God wanting this church to carry something for this region. If the enemy sets up powers and principalities and dark places, how much more does God want to set up powers and principalities and light places? How much more does God look to raise up embassies full of power and full of grace? This is not a church. This is the kingdom of God. We are using a building because we live in Florida and we like air conditioning. Amen. God is big enough to both give you air conditioning and an anointing. Can I get an amen? But you don't need the air conditioning, but you need the anointing. Amen. 
Come on, don't get complacent. Don't get washed out because of everything that is easy for us in America. Don't let your comfort come from your bank account. Don't let your comfort come from your house. If it was all removed from you tomorrow, do you have something that will withstand everything being stripped away? If you carry the kingdom of God in you, you have something that cannot be shaken and stripped away from you. It's the glory of God. People miss the things of God because of love of money. I said this just the other day on Sunday, a couple Sundays back. The majority of Jesus' parables were concerning worldly wealth. Why did Jesus spend so much of his time on earth? Instead of talking about the kingdom of God, he's talked about earthly things. Because he knew this would be the number one blockage from people walking in heavenly things. They would be so concerned with what their senses can see that they would miss the entire unseen realm. And the unseen realm has the authority over the seen realm. So forget about what you see in the natural. Paul said it. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, I have found that I have more than enough. Come on. Your riches are attached to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Am I saying you can't have money? I'm saying you can have money. Money's not your God. God raises people up. He's going to raise people up in this last hour that are going to make people nervous of the level that they operate in in the financial world. They are going to steal back from the devil what he has taken for generations. They're going to plunder Egypt and they're going to populate heaven. But you can't let the love of money be the thing. There's a rich young ruler that came to Christ, had great wealth, said, teach me what I must do. And Jesus said, you got to obey the commandments. He said, I've done all of those since the time I was young. And Jesus looked at him and said, go and sell all of your possessions. Give it to the poor. And watch this. Then Jesus said, follow me. Do you realize what Jesus offered to that man right there? That he had picked his 12, but Jesus looked at this rich young ruler and said, if you're willing to give everything away, you can become another one. We could have read about this young man's life in the Word 2,000 years later and all the signs and wonders he did if he had perceived the moment that was put before him. But he missed it because he was grieved, because he loved his money, and he walked away. And God said it's easier for a gnat or a camel to walk through the needle of, or the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. Don't fall in love with wealth of this world. Wealth comes, wealth goes. God can give you great wealth. It's not about the wealth. It's about the God of the covenant. It's about recognizing what the wealth comes for. If God's going to promote you, you have an obligation to the kingdom of heaven to build that kingdom in this generation. Are you with me? People say, I've been believing God for breakthrough. Then grab this key right now and start supporting the kingdom with everything you've got and watch God multiply the resources to your account. What can God do? God can do absolutely anything. But people miss out on the things of God because they're looking at something that they have been taught that matters. You know, the only thing that matters is, is he real in you? And do you carry his presence? Do you know his voice? Do you carry something heavenly? Because if you do, you're going to change this world. But if not, this world will change you. And that's how people start out on fire. They're in the front row, then they're halfway, then they're in the back, 
then they ain't there no more. And they're church hurt, they're angry at God, they're bitter. But you know, when I went in the ministry, it's like, I remember the first third week in the ministry, I remember it now, shakarababata. I went in, third week in the ministry, I'm preaching in t Tennessee. And this woman, I'm preaching on the blessing of God and the joy of the Lord, that God gives you joy. Now, I didn't know that this woman just was like the most cantankerous, sad woman in the planet. You know what I'm saying? Those people that when they walk in, you walk to the other side of the room as quickly as possible and look busy. It's like, oh, hey, hey, I got a phone call. I didn't know anything about it. The pastor didn't tell me. And she was heading up the nursery, and the nursery was like all the kids were crying all the time. It was misery. It was just like a, like a Disney movie or something. And I'm preaching on joy, and I stood in front of her three weeks in the ministry, don't really know what I'm doing, and I stood in front of her, and as I'm talking about the joy of the Lord, she glares at me. I mean, she shot me a look like, you shut up about joy. So I stood my ground. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. So I start throwing every joy scripture I can. And I'm looking her in the eye and I'm talking about, you know, rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He fills you with the new wine. And suddenly this woman just breaks and starts just cackling, laughing, falls on the ground, rolling around. The pastor's like, what? Like, this is the greatest miracle they've ever witnessed. Cranky granny's got the breakthrough, you know. And she's rolling around just laughing joyously. She comes up and hugs me afterwards. And the Lord showed me something in that moment. That oftentimes people have a resistance to the things of God. That's where you've got to get in the Word and you've got to carry the Word. And if you resist something, which you all do, we've all come to God with presets. And it's like you've got to learn how to let the word chisel the tablet of your heart and make it soft. So that you're not resistance against what God wants to do, but you're welcoming what God wants to do. But then the Lord began to show me something else as I continued to travel. He showed me people that were totally unresponsive to him. And this, the Lord said, is the thing that is detestable to him. Because these are people that have allowed themselves to get to the point that they refuse to respond to the Holy One of God. They have hardened their hearts so much through religion, through the, the praise of man, through the approval of this world, that they can stand and watch the dead be raised and have nothing in their heart come to life. And God said, those are the ones that I am detested by. And the Bible says, let me see if I can find it. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Search your hearts every day. If I can get someone on the keys right now. Search your hearts every day, the Bible says, my brothers and sisters. And make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. Say unbelief. Watch this. For it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For we are mingled with the Messiah. And if we continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end, people come into the church world and they get professional, spirit-filled people. 
where they look at the things of God and they're like, I've seen it all before. Never let your heart get to the point that you don't celebrate everything God does. And this, the love of money is a way people get into this because God begins to promote their brothers and sisters in the church. And they look at God promoting them financially and they harden their heart to God because they don't get it. Why is this person blessed and I'm not blessed? Learn to rejoice that if God exalts a brother and sister in any realm, you rejoice for that brother and sister. If God restores a marriage, gives a prophetic word, heals a body, gives a miracle in finances, blesses with a home, blesses with ridiculous favor, you teach yourself to stand on your feet and give God the greatest shout of praise because what he does for one of you, he will do for all of you as long as you keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. There is no limits in the kingdom of God. When another person breaks through, be like the people on the other side of the lake. They didn't get upset because one woman laid a hold and got healed. They said, if God is going to do it for her on that side, he'll do it for us on this side. The Bible says the people literally went to the houses and drug every sick person out and lined them up so that they could just lay hold of Jesus' clothes. And the Bible says, as many touched him as were made whole. See, when you get something from God, the most holy, precious thing you can do is multiply that. Multiply it. You don't take what God gives you and hide it under a bushel. You take what God gives you and you multiply that thing. When I was in Bible college, I told the God, God, the Lord, with tears in my eyes, I said, Father, I don't know what you have in store for me. I don't know what you've called me to. I don't know whether it is big or whether it is small. All I know is whatever it is, is what I want in my life. And I told the Lord, I believe in your anointing. It is the most precious gift that has ever been given to anybody. The anointing is God's presence upon your life. Where you don't operate as you, you operate as Him through you. It's the oil that is ever flowing from God. And it permeates your very being. And it puts something in you that this world cannot resist, cannot contain, cannot hold back. It is the most heavenly thing. The anointing. The anointing of God. That the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And I said to God, I said, God, I don't know if you've given me big or small. But I said, God, if you would give me even a drop of the anointing, just a drop. I promise you I would turn it into an ocean. Because I will never stop giving whatever you're willing to give me away. And in this room right now, I want you to know something. You pressing into God is so much more than just what He wants to do in you. It's what He wants to do through you. How many people are still in bondage because we haven't pressed in the place we're supposed to press into? Why is this nation where it's at? Because the bride is held on the, on the sidelines of complacency, but we're casting that cloth off tonight. And we're saying, God, we want to go deeper in you. Deeper in you. Deeper in you, God. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. 
Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.